This Wellness Couch podcast is brought to you by The Wellness Breakthrough. Three days and two nights with nine of your favourites from The Wellness Couch all gathering together in Melbourne for one incredible event. We can't wait to see you there. Go to www.thewellnesscouch.com for details. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to The Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damien Christoph. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is The Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And today we have a very special guest. And uh, we've been kind of going round robin style um, with this interview series regards to The Wellness Guys. We started off with me. Uh, I got grilled and uh, bring back... Uh, you didn't really. I got, yeah, I got grilled. You didn't I got really get grilled. It, for people to... Uh, Bring back like, <laughs> high school photos where I you know, oh, like right. to bury them in the ground and never to see again. But anyways, today we actually thought we'd just do a um, uh, the next um, person in the firing line will be our very special naturopath slash chiropractor health expert, Damien Christoph. So welcome to the Wellness Guy Show, Damien Christoph. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this, Brett. I don't know about you, but um, you know, obviously, I get teased a lot uh, throughout the whole entire uh, series of where we've been running this. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know going hard against uh, Damien here. So, uh, Brett, it's true, Lawrence. It's true. People have been crying out for you to have a crack back at Damien. So, I think the fans want to hear it, Lawrence. So, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just too nice of a guy to do something like that. So, Brett, I'll let you start off to take the first punch. Well, Damien, I mean, we, we've all probably heard little bits about your sordid past, Damien, but we probably should start there just for those, you know, some people won't have listened to some of the earlier episodes and, you know, obviously some of this story have been covered already, but for those who are either new or who have forgotten, you know, they may have listened to it a few years ago, tell us a bit about your sordid past, Damien, and how you ended up to where you are today. All right. Well, look, I think most of the time people hear my story about when I moved out of home from like 18 years onwards. So I, I studied accounting had bad food, made poor food choices, got chronic fatigue syndrome, all that sort of stuff. I expanded my consciousness through natural means, all that sort of stuff, right? So I've done all of that. And I think most people have heard that part of the story. But what a lot of people might not have known is that when I grew up, and I was really little, um, my parents split up, right? So when they split up, we were in a single people or single parent household. And in the 80s, that was almost unheard of. Back in 1980, 81, you just didn't have single parent families. It just... Not in Australia, at least. Maybe in Canada, but definitely not in Australia. <laughs> but because uh, we're not that progressive, and uh, so we were actually really poor. And we used to, on a weekly basis, get a, a delivery uh, in a garbage bag of bread that was left over from the local bakery. And so that would be divvied up, and you know, we'd take that to school, and um, Mum would, you know, try and rustle together some veggies for us. And we had a friend who owned a piggery, and we'd be given you know, the offcuts of pig or, you know, ham steaks or just kind of really ordinary food. And so mum just put together meals that we thought were amazing. Like we thought they were gourmet, but they were, you know, it could be sausages with tomato sauce or um, white bread sandwiches with sprinkles or, um, or, or whatever. But I, I suppose as a child, I never really learned how to make real food. I, I did, I, we actually didn't know. And we, it was a luxury for us to have fresh fruit. Um, very rarely would we have fresh fruit. We usually had SPC um, pears or apricots in the fridge and 
we definitely always have a six liter tub of ice cream that you know kind of we're allowed to take one scoop out of that would cost maybe a dollar something and one scoop each you know for Troy and myself would last us you know over six months for one big six liter tub of ice cream and then rice bubbles they were you know that was that was what I had for breakfast I didn't like wheat bix so I had rice bubbles and I would have you know a big bowl of rice bubbles and they were cheap you know I'd have rice bubbles with milk um, I'd go through about two litres of milk every single day, so I had to ride to the milk bar and pull out my 80 cents to get a litre of milk. And um, You know, so I, for me it was very, very simple growing up with food and had no idea really what we were doing. And, you know, to give an idea, when I got home from school sometimes, I'd get two slices of white bread, I'd put three frozen fish fingers in that, a slice of processed cheese and some tomato sauce and put that in the microwave. And uh, heat that on um, 100 or whatever the hottest set, you know, setting was and do that for 60 seconds. Pull it out. It'd be so hot. Um, I'd let it sit on my plate so it would cool down and go a little bit hard. Because, you know, when, I don't know if you know, but um, if you've got a microwave, when you heat something with moisture in a microwave, it goes really hard afterwards. Well, this, this would go really hard. And I would think it was like a fish burger. And, uh, and that's what I'd eat. Or... I'd boil up some white rice and just sprinkle white sugar over the top of it. And that's what I would eat. And I'd always be tired. And then I'd be getting up in the morning to go swimming um, at five o'clock in the morning because I swam squads and, um, and and was, you know, a pretty good swimmer. But I'd, I just didn't eat enough protein. I just ate carbohydrates and sugar all the time. But I was always really skinny and always really sick. And uh, and that was kind of my, uh, my nutritional upbringing. It wasn't because mum didn't know much. She just... Just couldn't afford it, so that's that's just where we were. Mm, that's a fascinating story. I mean, obviously, you didn't know a lot about that. I mean, we don't really talk a little bit about childhood, and and um, and I think it's it goes to show that you know you turned out okay. So it's, <laughs> I it's, survived. It's, I survived. You survived through that. But um, that's you know, I had tonsils taken out, I had grommets in my ears, I had you know probably twenty courses of antibiotics in my childhood. I would have had pen, maybe nine to ten penicillin shots in my backside. So, you know, I did the drug regime and I did the surgery regime. I had all of that. I had abdominal surgery. I've had, I had, I think by the time I was in year seven, I had something like 11 different visits or 11 surgeries. You know, it was something significant. It's interesting that, you know, if we look back at our our childhood and and look at that, you know, type of scenario, which is pretty typical and pretty, you know, what most average kids would have to go through. But nowadays, you know, with information, I know that there's that part of where we think that, where you know a lot of uh, you know Australian or American Western society kids are you know in a really bad way, but there's also the other part you know the, our listeners who are taking initiative to change the diet of their family and their kids and who are living way better lifestyles than we were when we were kids. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see you know what that translates because you know like you said you were quite sick in in a sense you know we didn't know that we were sick it was just part we probably your mom probably just thought it was normal yeah and well so everyone else had ear infections and everyone else had their tonsils taken out it was trendy in the eighties I was so trendy because of my tonsils out it was unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> trendy not because of my clothes it was because my tonsils were out <laughs> yeah so crazy. I mean obviously like as you went through I mean you we'll, we'll go right to you know where you transitioned I mean obviously you have an uh, amazing brain right now to absorb this all this information about health when was the transition i mean that got you really interested was there a particular moment that you recognized that you realized that there's you know food is so important and it's actually affecting it was it actually when you were in in, as accountant or was it after that or was it before it was definitely after being you know studying accounting um i went on to study to be a naturopath and and i loved that that was a four-year course did really well at it 
um, excelled in herbal medicine, which you know is a bit of a running joke in the Power of Food talk. If you've been to that, you'll hear that joke. Um, it never, it's never, never gets old. It's twelve years old actually, and um, I haven't heard that one, don't I? Really? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have. Oh, that's funny. Boom, boom. Yeah, <laughs> you have heard it because you've been to the Power of Food. Although you may not have listened to the Power of Food for a long time, but uh, <laughs> oh, you've been to many of them. I was listening when you came to Adelaide. <laughs> Front row. Front row. Right. Yeah, and um, and and so I, I studied naturopathy, and I actually went vegetarian for a number of years, and uh, and because we were told of the virtues um, and the draw, we were told of all the bad things about meat. You know, meat is bad; it was evil, and uh, and as a naturopath, it was our duty to help people become vegetarian. And we were trained along the lines of the Fit for Life kind of program, you know, protocols where you'd have something really light for for breakfast, you know, like fruit. Um, and then you'd have a salad, a vegetarian salad for lunch, um, and maybe, maybe uh, some kind of animal-based protein in the evening with, again, some vegetables or salad. And whilst those principles aren't too bad, the, the macronutrient ratios are well out of whack. And so I did this vegetarian thing, and um, and maybe it was to do with my, my many years of partying while I was studying to be an accountant, but I developed psoriasis, and... You know, it was a big surprise for me because that's rice all over my body, and I was studying naturopathy, and I was being vegetarian, and uh, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but I just wasn't. So I had psoriasis all over my all down my forehead, on my eyebrows, and all through my head, and on my elbows, and it was just one of those things that I kind of thought, oh, well, far out. Maybe maybe I'm lacking something, and and I was. I was actually lacking nourishment. I was malnourished because I was a vegetarian. And it took me some time to work that out. It wasn't until I had graduated and I'd, I'd done a, a locum for a naturopath out in Essendon, Pat Tyrrell, and uh, and I was working for Pat doing this locum, and, and and people were coming to me to ask me how to lose weight, and I had no idea. You know, as a naturopath, I was like, oh, maybe you've got to take B vitamins, or because it was all very prescriptive, and so I'd look in the eyes and do all these sorts of things, and. Back then, like naturopathic training, albeit it was good, um, I, it, I just hadn't joined the dots. So I went to some seminars to learn how to help people lose weight, and um, and I learned that you really need more protein and you need less carbohydrate. This is way back in, I don't know, 1997, <laughs> maybe, 98. So you're definitely before Jackson was born, and, um, and I just started helping people lose weight. And, and I started to understand that uh, people got better by eating more protein. So I looked into the Atkins thing because that was pretty trendy back then, in, you know, late, you know, 1900s. And uh, then in the early 2000s, we moved into that very much ketotic sort of phase of, of food is medicine. And everyone was doing this high protein, high fat, low carbohydrate eating program, um, including bacon for breakfast and eggs and, um, and coconut and all this sort of stuff. This is way back before Brett made it trendy, and um, and it was called Atkins, and uh, so we did the Atkins program and helped people, hundreds of people, lose heaps of weight. But what I found was that um, A-type blood people struggled on that sort of program, and I was I was really I couldn't work it out. So I read a number of books, and it was the Peter Diadamo books that spoke about the blood type diet that nailed it for me. And so then I rewrote my weight loss programs based on blood type. And uh, and applied those blood type lessons that I'd learned to a you know a relatively low carbohydrate eating program, and that's what I followed, and uh, and I felt fantastic. And it was it was probably then in around two thousand and two two thousand and three that I I really you know I found that 
it was the combination of those two approaches to eating, possibly even um, with Barry Sears' insulin zone system, which was you know forty percent um, carbohydrate, thirty percent protein, thirty percent fat. You know, in terms of your calorie ratio, it was all of those sorts of programs that kind of framed my understanding of how we should put food together. And then when I went to New Zealand to study to be a chiropractor, I was sitting in a lecture. I was actually sitting on the floor. And there was one of Lawrence's classmates had come to talk to us, and uh, and and I was you know infancy in chiropractic college, and I and as a naturopath I was quite experienced and been in naturopathy for years, and I always understood that the gut was so important, but I hadn't really done much embryology, and it wasn't until I'd done embryology, listened to James Chestnut, who is Lawrence's classmate. And we put together this link between the nervous system and the gastrointestinal system about the, you know, from when the, the nervous system, the gastrointestinal system form, it's all in around the same area. And there's this intrinsic link between the gut and the nerves. And, and for me, it was like a light bulb moment. I've gone, I've got it. Like it's the nerves and it's the gut. And that's how I've got to help people get well. So then all of a sudden I started backing off all my prescription from supplements and I didn't want to prescribe any supplements. I wanted to go food only, which is really important to me. And then maybe use supplements if they were appropriate. And I start, I knew so much about supplementation. I know so much about vitamins and all that sort of stuff. I just wanted to dedicate it all to food. And that was when I got my TV show. And when Downsize Me came out, it was revolutionary because you never ever saw anybody use real food to help people diet. People were cutting out fat or people were cutting out all carbs, or people were cutting out protein, or people were cutting out something, or they're counting calories, or they're having Mars bars and counting points every single day and calling it Weight Watchers and you know losing weight because of that. And, and it was all of these sorts of ridiculous ways of eating that just made me think, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. So then I got this TV show and started you know, preaching this amazing message about healthy food and just what we would call these days primal living. And, uh, and, and that you know, that was the catalyst for me in the, I suppose, the food model that I still talk about even today. And that was back in, you know, what, 2004, so 11 years ago. Nice, DK. I'm going to jump in here with another question, DK, because Lawrence and I are a bit worried that we might not actually get to ask any questions on this episode. Oh, <laughs> well, this is my chance. This is my chance to, like, just talk. <laughs> DK, you're obviously in a pretty unique position. Obviously, you know a lot of information about food, and as you said, a lot of information about supplements. You're a chiropractor. Yep. You're a pretty fit guy. You do do a bit of exercise, keep yourself in good shape. Yep. Um, you've done over the years a lot of different aspects in terms of mindset, in terms of personal development, seminars, and the audio programs and all those sort of things. Yeah. So what of those, Damo, do you reckon is the most important? And, and I guess uh, maybe it may be the same or it may be different. Which of those do you reckon is most important for people to start with when they're looking at making changes? Oh, that's a great question, Brado, because I think it's interesting because some of the, the many things that I suppose have got me to where I am today is through a lot of failure. Um, I've had a heap of different failures um, through my life. And one of those failures was multi-level marketing. I actually thought that you could make a quick buck doing multi-level marketing. I thought that I'd make a fortune, I'd retire a millionaire before I was 30. Um, I'd be driving my Maserati and my Porsche, my BMW or whatever, drawing circles in people's households, particularly for my friends, and they'd all jump on board, and they'd be all part of my downline, and all of a sudden, everyone would be filthy rich, I'd be filthy richer, and I'd be all good. And, And the long and the short of it was that um, in going to a lot of the seminars that were associated with this multi-level marketing group, um, I learned a lot about personal power, about personal development. And so I learned all about Tony Robbins and oh, and 
there's look so many different motivational, inspirational speakers. And so I went on all these highs and lows. And so I'd go to a seminar I'd, on this, I'm, you know, a brilliant speaker. There'd be 30,000 people at the tennis center. And we'd listen to this speaker and I'd be walking away and I'd walk out and I thought that I could take on the world. I should be the president of the world. And, uh, and very, very quickly, I'd call up some of my friends and say, you've got to come to my house, I've got this business proposition for you, try and draw them some circles, and I'd lose another 10 friends. And, and within 12 months, I found myself without very many friends wanting to hang out with me because I hadn't been honest or true, and I'd try to sell them this multi-level marketing thing. And that was my single greatest failure, I reckon, was burning through massive amounts of friends, trying to sell them on a multi-level marketing thing. But what that showed me was that there was this huge potential to influence the way in which you felt by listening to the way in which uh, words were delivered. And that kind of led me to uh, understand more about neuro-linguistic programming. And, uh, and I kind of followed a bit of a journey and, and looked into guys like John Martini, who kind of um, spoke to me in a way that I felt uh, resonated with me, that I didn't have to be on a high when I left. And I certainly wasn't alone when I left um, his events. I kind of felt really balanced, but got really clear around um, emotion and that the, things, the decisions that I was making were more logical rather than emotive. And so they were more, I suppose, heart-centered decisions as opposed to brain-centered decisions. And what was really interesting to me is what I always thought that emotions came from the heart, but it actually turns out that emotions came from the head. And when I realized that through John's teachings, um, I, I realized that if, if I checked in with my heart, I was making a clearer, um, I suppose, a more guided and a more specific decision. And so that when I made decisions from the heart as opposed from the head, I made better decisions. And um, so I, I suppose it's probably John Martini's work that, you know, summed up all of those other years, like years and years and years of courses and tapes. You know, I, I remember listening to one of Lawrence's interviews recently where he was talking about he he bought a car um, and made sure it had a tape player in it so he could listen mm. to his tapes and and I was the same and I bought a, I, my very first car was a Holden Gemini it was an orange one 1977 Holden Gemini and it only had an AM radio so I had to rip that out and put a pioneer tape player in there and I put some speakers that I had lying around in my garage just wired them up and uh, and had them lying on my on the back shelf the parcel shelf of my car like massive big normal speakers that you'd have a part of a normal stereo system and and I listened to tapes and that's that's kind of how I got all my education around um, around communication yeah I love that one of the key things is with you Damien is that a lot of people know you as a speaker and that people know with your brand with forge and, and the forge serial and and also obviously with wellness guys and and so also you know when you're a naturopath and chiropractor but a lot of people you know don't well I mean I mean other than friends mm-hmm. um, never hear the side of you being uh, a husband and a father mm-hmm. and so as we dive deep into this interview we'd love to know sort of what do you you know being all that all the things that you are you know to the world but how is it you know what are the biggest challenges that you have with regards to sort of living a standard of health you know in one way because that's what you're talking about to the outside world yeah. but what are the frustrations that you actually have as a husband and a father dealing with you know maybe with Jackson's, uh, you know, friends and, and, and schools and, you know, what are some of those frustrations? Uh, because we'll love to hear that side of things. Okay. That, that's an amazing question. And there's so much that we could talk about there, but, and I'll, I'll, I'll give yeah, you, we a, only have a few like minutes, but you know, let's, <laughs> let's I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a Top very one. recent Top example one. of, um, of Jackson's friend thing shortly. But, um, 
In the early days when Amber and I got together, I used to try and, you know, guide her very quickly. In other words, I'd try and grab her and take her with me and, and try and teach her all the things that I knew. And one of the things that she used to say to me all the time was baby steps. And I was always reminded that it was easier to just give bite-sized chunks more frequently with Amber, to just go like, and this, and this, and this, um, over a long period of time as opposed to trying to get her to come along to the seminars and the events and all of those sorts of things, um, you, know, you know, to come and watch and learn like anybody else, maybe some of my audience would want to do, you know, come along and, and learn everything that I know. But for my family, I found it, particularly with Amber, it was really important for me to teach her small pieces so that she'd come on board over time. I remember her talking to me one day and saying, we're going to have a whole lot of conflict um, as we have children. Uh, because you've got this set of values and I've got this set of values and she was very medical um, and very scientific based and science based and thought that I wasn't. Um, well certainly I wasn't very medical but I was very science based um, and very evidence based and, and she thought that because I was down the natural medicine route it was all kooky wacky spooky crazy stuff <laughs> and because hers was science based and medical based it was you know it was proper and that's the way that you do things right. So she was um, she was very much of that you know, ilk. And bit by bit, over the last 10 years, we've been together 10 years now, she's very much uh, come on board with the way in which I think, the way in which I teach, the way in which I educate. And um, in fact, in many cases, I think she's probably more strict than what I am with regards to food and lifestyle. And that helps me be much, much better. But what I found probably, and, and I hope that helps people understand that you've got to, if you're at a different point with your family, then just bit by bit, just lead by example and they'll come on board. I don't think Amber's seen any more than two of my episodes of Downsize Me. did 36 episodes. She's never seen Crack Your Stress Code. And she's only so ever been... not like the shirt, Stamo? <laughs> could be, it might have been that I had hair. Uh, she's you know, probably never that... listened to an episode of that Wellness Guys, has it? <laughs> <laughs> she's never listened to an episode of Wellness Guys. And you know, so in three years, she's never listened to an episode of the Wellness Guys. So she's definitely not my number one fan when it comes to all that sort of stuff but that keeps me really grounded and really level um well, let's and face it she's listened to all the inside champions mind episodes she has and that's why she does such a good job in life right because yeah. she's uh listened to lt um sometimes she she calls me lawrence and then has to correct herself i get i get so i get so confused i don't know what's going on but you know what happened recently i went on this uh, father-son camp and i loved it i loved it a bits um but i was confronted because jack and i um are incredibly close you know like so close and we're great mates and i was you know i was very very honest um, on this particular camp but i went there understanding that there was a lot of prejudice and uh, and the one thing that i've had to um uh, I suppose, battle with, with regards to the outside world, is the prejudice um, shown to chiropractors and naturopaths, particularly from other professions, whether it be physiotherapists, mainstream medical fraternity, um, specialists, and so on and so forth. And Jackson goes to a, a very nice school, and he's very privileged to be able to go to this particular school. But many of his friends are children of surgeons or children of um, anaesthetists or children of... Um, of specialists and um, and and as such when they find out that I'm a chiropractor or when they find out that I'm a naturopath 
um, I, he tends to cop it from the kids and I tend to cop it from them, you know, in, whether it be through um, ignoring me or not actually wanting to have a conversation with me or actually prejudicing um, how they feel about what we actually do, fellas. And, uh, and that's been the, probably the biggest thing. And so I confronted that at this uh, father-son camp recently and, uh, and it was a breakthrough. And, and it was really interesting to actually uh, be part of uh, of a group of guys who some of them actually had a prejudice against me because and they didn't even know who I was but because of what I did and and what I stand for and what I do um, and to be able to break that down and to get through that that was amazing but probably the one thing that's been difficult um, you know being a chiropractor and a naturopath and someone who's who's I suppose somewhat in the spotlight for food and nutrition with in particular with Jackson is that he's had to eat healthy food all the time, even when his friends would prefer that he uh, eats other stuff. And so now these days, I suppose, you know, behind closed doors and away from me, he's, he's getting stuck into the chips and the lollies and all that sort of stuff. But um, I'm not afraid of that happening. Um, I just make sure that he's got great food when he gets home. Nice, Damien. Nice. Hey, Damo, you obviously came into uh, the wellness guys and the whole wellness couch with a, with a tremendous amount of knowledge. And, uh, but you know, but it's been a fair journey since then. It's been over three years since we started doing the wellness guys. It's amazing. Huh? So uh, I'd love to know from you, like, what what things do you think you've learnt, and how do you think you've grown as you've gone through and done these, you know, several hundred interviews with all different people on the wellness guys, and obously on One Hundred Dot Out with Marcus. Mm. What, have, what have you learnt, and how have you grown? Um, that's far out, guys. This is great. Um, I've learned so much. Like I've I've learned a whole lot about uh, humility, Bretto, and um, and I've got you to thank for that. To be honest with you, because you've really pushed my buttons at times, <laughs> and uh, yes. and you have. And the reason why you push my buttons is because you went, you know, um, in the early days of the wellness guys when I was, you know, really very much around eating a primal sort of lifestyle, which included grains and some cereals that were gluten free. Um, having some dairy and all those sorts of things, you went the you know a, a, another level extreme in you know in nutrition terms. So you went paleo, and in the very early days of paleo, and I was confronted by that. So over the last few years, I've had to um, listen to a lot of what's been said around um, paleolithic lifestyle and understand more of it. And you know, of course, I I had done some work with Lauren Cordain and. And that was all really interesting. And I'd kind of gone, oh, yeah, that's interesting, but not really thought much of it. But, you know, having you um, being so passionate about being paleo um, and then meeting so many more people so passionate about being paleo and then obviously the crescendo in August, having Pete Evans come and speak about paleo um, as part of a stage that I was sharing, I've had to, not that I've ever not wanted to acknowledge that paleo is is. Is, is strong and good. I've just had to understand that it can be actually part of a healthy approach to eating, which is really important for the listener to understand. I think, and and this is one of my learnings, is that just because I follow a particular way of eating doesn't make it right or wrong, and because Brett follows a particular way of eating doesn't make it right or wrong, and because someone else follows a particular way of eating, you know, let's say it's vegetarian or vegan, doesn't make it right or wrong. There's just a right way to do each of those eating programs across the board. And that's what I've learned over the last three years is that there's a right way to do 
each of those eating programs across the board. And that is for good health, right? So, and I they, love that, DK, because one of my favourites was actually the one we did with Rich Roll. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And he was great. And he, he said great. basically exactly the same thing, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and Sean Croxton, Just Eat Real Food, that really stuck with me, that interview. I really loved that one. That was, that was terrific. Um, and it's just finding that balance, you know, that, that I really loved. But probably over the last few years, the number one thing that I've learned is that whilst nutrition is really important, it's really important and it's fundamental and it's a foundation and it's, it's a staple part of my lifestyle, nutrition. It's not one of the three key drivers of longevity, which blew me away. And, and I only discovered that through doing 100 Not Out with Marcus. And in all the interviews that we've done, the people who have lived a long time, um, very few of them have actually had a good diet. Now, the interesting thing of that is that some of them have had symptoms that would have probably fixed up by eating a better lifestyle, eating a better diet, but they never did. They still lived a long time. But there was three things, and I don't know if you guys have listened to 100 Not Out, but, and what Marcus and I have been talking to, the three things that determine longevity are engagement, purpose, and exercise. And for me, that's been the most profound lesson to learn over the last number of years because I always thought that if you ate really well, you'd live forever. And, uh, and it's not the case. You've got to have engagement, you've got to have purpose, and you've got to be moving. And then if you eat well, it's a bonus. And that's been massive for me. Nice. I love that. That's, that's cool, buddy. Um, listen, we got uh, Mission Impossible here right now, which means that you have one last question, but you have like <laughs> maybe a minute and a half to answer this question. So, um, Damien, you are you going back, going forward 10 years from now? And uh, you meet your 60-year-old self. Oh, no, sorry, I mean 50-year-old self. Um, <laughs> and uh, you, you meet the 50-year-old Damon Christoph, and yep. you see him, and uh, you have a conversation. What would you want to hear uh, from him? Like three things that you have accomplished in, those, in that 10-year period. Hmm. Wow, far out. Um, that's, that's, that's bigger than 30,000 kilometers above the Earth for that sort of uh, look down, isn't it, LT? Uh, hmm. I'm from the moon there. I've got to be looking from the moon. Um, I'm just more accomplished, but maybe like who you've become. Look, I'd, I'd want to, I want to be proud of myself and my achievements, the things that I've said yes to and the things that I've said no to. But most importantly, I'd want my 50-year-old self to look back on my, on my previous decade and say, you did all that with humility and you did all that being uh, gracious of all the opportunities um, that you've been given and that I haven't taken anybody for granted. And that's what I'd want to be able to say uh, to myself. Oh my God, he actually answered that within the time period given. That was awesome. Congratulations. That, was, that, was that was a brilliant answer too, by the way, Jamie. That was, that was beautiful. Jamie, that was amazing. I just learned so much about you and, uh, and also your learnings throughout the last you know, three years, but also learned a lot about your life. And this is fascinating. And the, question, the answers that you gave to those questions are awesome. Guys, if you love Damien Christoph like we do, he's the rock star of the wellness guys, um, check him out. Um, he's got an awesome brand of cereal that I eat every day. And I actually missed out for like a week because you know, the company shut down for uh, the delivery company. Not Damien. Not my. But, yeah. uh, the <laughs> the distributor um, <laughs> was just shut down for like two weeks. And I, I ran out and it was it was not fun because that's my uh, mainstay cereal every single morning um, for you know the last at least three years so it's been fantastic so it's Forge Cereal go check it out go to uh, ForgeCereal.com um, is there a particular website that uh, where you can, people can find out where you can get them yeah look where well, they can get forage they get forage from ForgeCereal.com you can you know search your stockers there but if you want to find out what I'm up to um, quite often uh, it's on the DamienChristophe.com site or my Facebook page um, it's not a fan page, so you could always go there, and I tend to just say yes to everybody um, who who wants to like me, 
uh, or wants to be a friend. And so you can just go there. But I, I'm always posting stuff and sharing stuff there. Yeah, he's got some fascinating posts too as well. And it's just because you want to beat everybody else on friends. But, uh, you know, <laughs> while you're on Facebook and while you, uh, you know, add Damien Christoph as a friend, uh, why don't you go check out uh, The Wellness Guys, well, facebook.com slash guys and The Wellness Couch as well. Uh, while you're there also too, share this particular podcast with your friends and family and other strangers you think need a wellness update and subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave a five-star rating and leave a comment there too. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example. Let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on The Wellness Guys Show. Hi, it's Damien Christoph here. 2015 marks perhaps the most important event the Wellness Couch has ever conducted. We've had two sold-out wellness summits these last years, but honestly, nothing will come close to our first ever wellness breakthrough. Your favorite Wellness Couch experts, the Up For A Chat girls, Quirky Cookies Joe Whitten, Stu Hayes, Marcus Pierce, and of course the Wellness Guys are all gathering in Dandong Ranges for three days and two nights for one incredible event. If you want possibly the greatest peer group in health and wellness to help you catapult your life to the next level, then we'd love to see you at the Wellness Breakthrough in February. For more information, go to www.thewellnesscouch.com. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.